Welcome to the OA Virtual Kitchen Sink Meeting Podcast. Visit the Los Angeles Intergroup at oalaig.org for information on how to join our meeting live and how to donate to support this meeting and our podcasts. The opinions expressed on the Kitchen Sink Podcast are those of the individual speakers and do not represent OA as a whole. And now, our speaker. My name is Stephanie, and I am a recovering compulsive eater and overeater. Um, I have a two-faced illness that can move towards restriction and also overeating. So it doesn't feel like it fits me to just say compulsive overeater because I have restricted most of my life. Um, I'm thankful for my higher power. I have been in this program since February 2019. Um, It has been over three and a half years. I count my time in recovery as more important than my abstinence because being here and working a spiritual program one day at a time leads me to abstaining from um, my abstinence, which is recreational sugar. If I'm honest with myself and you all today, I have relapsed a few times, but like a baby falls down, the most important thing is to learn how to get back up. And looking back, I'm grateful for shining my light of awareness on the causes and conditions that led me to relapse and learn how to forgive myself. I now will go into what it was like. So I kind of just wrote a little bit at the beginning to get you an idea of where I'm at in my program, but um, the rest kind of is just my story. And I'm just going to channel my higher power to be here with me and allow me to share my experience, strength, and hope in this program and hoping that it will help a newcomer or anyone in their recovery program. So um, I noticed that I had a problem with food since I was eight years old. Um, Maybe it could have been younger, but my earliest memory is being eight and feeling fat and ugly (laughs) and stupid as someone else in this room always says is the mantra in the mind like so sad to think like at eight years old I was already thinking that but um I compared myself to others I had a crush on a boy and he liked a skinny blonde girl and I thought well she's pretty and skinny and I'm not so of course she's gonna get the guy and I'm not and to like I don't even know how this makes sense but I gave her my snacks that I was really excited about thinking she would like me and then the boy would like me. So I was already trying to use food to earn love from someone else, um, which is just so crazy. And um, yeah, so I think at eight was when I started having this like idea that I was fat and my family loved to eat out. And that was kind of the exciting thing to do. Both my parents worked. Um, My life, I think growing up was very stressful and chaotic. Um, I do have a parent that now is in program, so he can definitely attest to the insanity that we were raised in and, um, food felt calming and grounding and connecting. And so I do think I learned at a young age that food was a safe place and everyone was happy when we were eating. So, um, especially eating out, you know, Chinese food was a thing. So I don't know if I'm allowed to say foods, but that was a memory growing up. So, um, I actually going to, I'm, I'm Jewish and I didn't want to go to Sunday school and the bribe to go to Sunday school was to get food afterwards. So that was how I connected to spirituality and religion was through food. 
And, um, and so, yeah, I remember around nine or 10, we went on a family vacation and I saw a picture of myself and that was the first time I'm like, oh my God, I'm huge. I look like a whale. And we started going to a nutritionist. And I think the nutritionist said I would become obese or I was on a path to becoming obese. And she told me to stop eating chips and I had to eat carrots. And so also at a young age, I was like, I hate nutritionists. <laughs> they are terrible people who are taking away certain foods I want to eat and telling me that something's wrong with me. And I was just so jealous that some kids could eat unhealthy foods and have a perfectly skinny body and just digest it. And I couldn't. Um, and that's been like a theme most of my life. Like I just have a different metabolism and reaction to foods. Um, and so there's a jealousy around that and just like a hating of my body and thinking my body was, you know, working against me and not for me. Um, and in high school, well, before my bat mitzvah is kind of where I started turning it around and going the restricting path because I wanted to look beautiful in my bat mitzvah dress and my whole family wanted to be skinny. And my mom was always focused on diet programs and skinny. So we went on a family diet, lost a bunch of weight. And I was like, wow, this feels really good to be, you know, in a skinny body and people are giving me positive attention and telling me how beautiful I look. And so I became addicted to that and I joined a track team. And um, now I can see like I was exercise bulimic. I was like running all the time, not eating, calling myself a vegetarian, but not eating and making fun of people for me to eating meat in my family. And just like, just this feeling of like, I figured it out and uh, no one's going to get in my way. And one of my mom's friends told my mom that she was concerned about me because she thought I was anorexic. And I was like, that woman is crazy. And I just went, I was so upset that I was accused of being an anorexic at like 13 or 14. I also remember reading a book about like bulimics and anorexics as a kid. And I was like, I couldn't be bulimic because it just didn't work. Like I tried putting my hand down my throat and I didn't throw up. And I was like, well, I'm not good at this. Like, this is not going to work. And I felt like I could never be an anorexic because I wasn't skinny enough. So I was constantly like, I don't know how to have an eating disorder, which the whole time I was having an eating disorder, but I just felt like I was never good enough at even having an eating disorder. And so um, when someone accused me of having an eating disorder, I was just like really upsetting to me. And I just felt fat my whole high school. It was just like, no guys like me because I'm fat. And I never had a boyfriend in high school. The one boyfriend I did have, I like forced him to be my boyfriend. He stopped talking to me. So I thought it was going to be like a 40 year old virgin. Cause I was fat. I remember watching that movie and crying. I was like, this is going to be me. I just, I I'm clearly not attracting men. So that's also part of my disease is like addiction to male attention and seeking that. Um, and so are opposite sex. And, um, and so in college, I was really scared of freshman 15. And that was like, that's going to be the end of me if I gain 15 pounds. So I joined the rowing team, um, which I woke up every morning at 4.30am. And then I really wasn't sleeping enough and I became addicted to like eating all the food at the dining hall, which was unlimited. 
And so I went the opposite way and gained freshman 30. And I was just so proud of myself. Like it was like an identity thing. Like I'm working out, I'm so strong and buff. And then I'd have seven meals at the dining hall thinking that that was like some amazing thing that I was able to do. But like my body was just getting really big. And I thought that that was like a good thing because that made me a better rower. But um, yeah, it didn't. I still felt fat. (laughs) So I was just I was just trying to hide behind like it's okay to be fat because I'm a rower now. And um, I did end up leaving at the end of the year. I had like an injury and I don't remember like the rest of college, but just the theme throughout college and like leaving my home was just gaining 10, 15 pounds, losing 10, 15 pounds. And I felt like a month to month basis, either I'm on a health trajectory or I don't care. I'm stressed. I'm just fueling with sugar and flour to deal with the chaos in my life. And I just remember feeling like in college, like I don't know what day of the week or month it is. Like I just felt like chaos. And then randomly I get it all together, join Weight Watchers and feel so on top of life for like a month or two, lose all the weight. And then somehow it would just disappear. Like the magic of this program would disappear. And so I was battling against myself for so long. And in San Francisco, oh, I'm from the Bay Area. I didn't say that, but I'm a Californian myself. And so um I got a job in San Francisco and I became obsessed with seeking male attention. I was working a job I hated and I was restricting like crazy and I didn't even know I was. And then it would just feel like it'd fall apart when my coworker would say, let's have a, like a sweet treat for after work. And then I was just like, you know, I'm so depressed and, you know, such in a bad place right now. And then I'd throw it away, but then I'd come back like the next day being like, I need to lose weight so a guy can like me. So I feel okay with myself. And so looking back at that time, like that whole year of working in San Francisco, it was just mostly focused on like, how do I look skinny so I can find someone to love me so I can be okay? Because I was so not okay. I was like having an existential crisis. Like, what am I going to do with my life? And during that time, I realized like I did want to become an art therapist and not knowing how to get to that place. Um, but I had kind of like a random trajectory where I got a job in China, which wasn't related to art therapy, but I was like, okay, I'm away from dating. I'm away from men. I'm not, I'm not seeking. And, um, I did gain weight in China a little bit, but I found a yoga teacher that I made my higher power. And she was like a 60 year old, um, Chinese speaking grandma I met in a park. And she was teaching me like how to, you know, be healthy and do yoga every day. And that's the solution. And I remember really vividly one day we ate out lunch afterwards and I realized like, I didn't really want to eat the dumplings because the flour I knew intuitively my whole life when I ate flour, I bloated. I definitely have gluten sensitivity. I told her that. And she's like, that's crazy. You have to eat the dumplings. I bought them for you. And I was like, is she my savior or is she like causing me the problem and then I hated her and pushed her out of my life so this is just an example of like making these programs and people my higher power to fix my body and food issues and then resenting them because they didn't fix me or they're hurting me and so I'm like get out you're not helpful at all and um and during this time I think like there was just another year of just like being on my own and feeling so like 
stuck up and down. And I went back to my hometowns in San Mateo. I don't know if anyone knows the Bay Area. And I went back home and my dad, um, I hope it's not ruining his anonymity, but he did join program like a year before. And I was just like, I need help. I have a problem with food. I heard about OA when I was in college and I was binging in the cafeteria. I remember looking it up and going, not for me, not, not yet. Maybe like 50 years from now, I'll deal with this. And, and then I finally was like, it's time. Like it's time to ask for help because I can, I couldn't do it on my own. And my dad actually went to my first meeting and I really like to share uh, that my first meeting was in a hospital which I feel like is so appropriate. And I found out that I have a disease and I have to take this really seriously. Um, and it was a room of nine people it was in a specific program called Howaway and everyone was just so loving. And I remember a woman crying because she broke her abstinence on flour and sugar. And I was just like, why is she like, so why is she crying about that? Like, what's the big deal? And I think something began to click during that meeting. Like, our abstinence is such a big part of our recovery. And that's what makes us feel like that peace and serenity that we're all looking for. And I found a sponsor and I feel so grateful because she was willing to sponsor me, even though I was going back to China and she woke up at six something every morning, 6am. And I was up till like 10 or 11 talking to her for 15 minutes and going through the steps. I went through the first three steps with her. I did the How Away program really diligently for like four months. Um, I'm so grateful for starting on that program because it taught me abstinence. Um, I completely got off of sugar and flour. I had three meals a day. I was mostly weighing and measuring. I was not completely honest with her. I did not like weighing and measuring my vegetables. That was like the one thing that I was like, I will not do this. And, you know, I took my will back for that. But, um, I just felt so much peace for the first time in my life. Like I didn't have to think about food all day and it knew when breakfast was, I knew when lunch was, I knew when dinner was, I knew I was going to eat and I'd have people over at my house for events and I'd have my own food. And I just felt like I felt a lot of peace with that. Um, but about four months in, for whatever reason, I hit my healthy body weight and my, my sponsor was my higher power. I didn't believe in a higher power at that time. So I made my sponsor, my higher power, of course. And then I started resenting her <laughs> and I was like, I don't want to follow this food plan anymore. I can, I don't fit in with other people. It's taking away my social life. And so I kicked her out and she was just like pleaded me. She's like, I guess how OA is not for you, but please stay in OA. And I heard that. And there was some online meetings that I was part of when I was in China. And I heard, you know, other people who weren't following the same food plan. And I was like, you know, I don't want to give up on OA and I don't want to give up. And I just want to like also say I'm so grateful for my last sponsor. She did pass away from cancer last January. So that's been like a really hard part of my program, but she was with me for about a year and a half in program. And she really taught me progress, not perfection. She pointed out to me, I was a restrictor, that I was a perfectionist. Um, she, she really lived in the place of food freedom. She spoke so much. From, Five minutes left. Thank you. She spoke so much from like, her higher power, like whenever she was talking, I just felt her higher power in the room, just channeling. And she just was like, 
bringing the experience, strength, and hope of the program to me and to everyone she spoke with every day. So when she passed away, I was like, I need to keep her program going. Like I am her passing it on. How do I keep this going? I love to sponsor. I just feel like she gave me so much. She helped me through the hardest times in my life. She beckoned me to go see a nutritionist, which I was so against, so, so against. And after like a year of her, like asking Stephanie, please see a nutritionist. And I finally did. I found one in OA who understood the disease. And she kind of gave me the permission to not constantly restrict and taught me how to eat more balanced. And, you know, I did gain weight and I did have resentment towards my nutritionist for a while, but I am starting to realize like my weight is not really in my control. What I put in my mouth is in my control, but my weight is not my control. I do believe I'm very healthy. I do thank my higher power. I, I never got sick this whole pandemic. And I feel like that is just like such a miracle, like any sickness. Um, I try to, my new sponsor, who's an amazing person, she's taught me having three intentions every day is the best way to hold my program. And I, um, I really do think about this, like eating mindfully, eating slowly. I'm a compulsive eater. Like I eat so fast. I think I've had so many, like people just like comment, like, how did, where did your food go? And I'm just like, I don't know where it goes. I, I'm so nervous when I'm eating. So like, that's part of my like intention for the day is to eat slowly, like take a few breaths before putting food in my mouth. Um, and then move my body. And you know, that word exercise for me can also be a trigger. And I know when I'm in weight loss mode in my mind, because I'm like, I need to exercise. And it feels like very like intense. But it's like, I love to do yoga. I love to walk. I love to hike. Like all of these things come very naturally to me. It's hard living in Phoenix, you know, because six months of the year, it's kind of dangerous to go outside. It's above a hundred degrees every day. And so I love my gym. I treated myself to find a really nice gym that I actually want to go to. And it has like, there's a Stairmaster that has like videos that make me feel like I'm hiking. Like it's like, oh, cool. I'm in Patagonia today. That's what I did yesterday. And so that's like really helped my programs, like find you know, movement as a joy. And then my last one is connect to program every day. And I did also want to share with this group, this changed my life. A fellow brought this up in a meeting. It's kind of like a 10th step for me. 10th step always felt like a should. It made my, my sponsor, my higher power, like, Oh, I have to send my 10th step to my sponsor. I have to send my food to my sponsor. That's been like really annoying to me, my whole program, if I'm completely honest. And I found this uh, while I went to a body image meeting and someone's like, I created my own word document. And I realized like texting was kind of hard for me to text my food every day. And I write my food in the morning. I plan what I'm going to eat for the day, which is so helpful. Um, that's what my sponsors brought up. It's bringing consciousness. And so my food, my food, I do know things change. Sometimes I don't know where I'm going that night. And I'm also just make the intention, like I'm going to eat this at that restaurant. If I do go there, um, I, it has a movement part. It has a walking with God part, like my higher power, where I write, like, what's the prayer meditation I've done today, literature, writing, call sponsor meetings, outreach, the tools of the program make such a difference in my day. If I do not use the tools that day, 
I am thinking about food more. I am insanity. I'm thinking about myself more. Bondage of self is like out of control. Um, and yeah, it's just like, I just see it. And that's been so helpful to see like the tools that I'm using and writing them down. And then I added recently a spot checks part because I noticed that I was consuming junk food in other forms besides food, um, namely reality TV shows about love. Um, it was creating body dysmorphia for me. And it's like so crazy that I crave things that hurt me. Like, it's like, what is happening? Like, okay, I'm not eating sugar and flour. Now I'm eating like crappy TV. And I stopped for the last like three days. I told my sponsor, she's like, put it as a spot check. Don't make your partner accountable for that. Um, and I actually am dreaming more. I feel better in my body. I'm like, I feel like I'm detoxing just because of media. Like I'm not checking my Instagram as much. And so I can see That's now tight. on Instagram, thank you so much, that everything is affecting me. And I have to constantly stay close to my program and my higher power and with all of you. And I'm just so grateful for my recovery. So if you want to ask questions or talk about it. I'm happy to send a word document to you. If that helps you with your 10 step, it's changed my program completely. I take a picture, put it in my God box at night, turn my will and my life over to my higher power. I feel peace today. So, um, I hope my share spoke to something in your program or helped you. And thank you for listening and witnessing me. This is the time for questions only. There is no sharing at this meeting. If you need to share, please do so with any of us after the meeting. Also, please remember that the options of the leader are my own and not those of Overeaters Anonymous as a whole. When asking questions, you need not identify yourself. If you asked a question last week, please wait until the first three questions have been asked before raising your hand. If you have a question, please click the raise hands. Okay, I see Bob. Hey, thank you for your share. Um, one thing, I'm Bob, compulsive reader, recreational sugar addict. Uh, could you put your phone number in the chat or next to your name also? But my question is, what do you do now when food calls, if it calls? Yeah, thank you so much for asking that question, Bob. And um, I do want to preface like, I'm imperfect, so I don't I don't have all the answers. But if it's like if it's like really intense, I find like texting my sponsor, whatever I'm obsessing about, so helpful. She doesn't respond right away, but that act of turning it over to a fellow, um, or it doesn't even have to be my sponsor, it could just be a fellow in general, like someone who gets the program and gets, you know, this disease. That's so helpful. I also heard in a podcast once, which I haven't done, but I'm like, I will do that if I have a serious food craving um, to, you know, put a timer on. <laughs> so like, okay, for 10 minutes, I won't give into this craving and walk away or ask for accountability from someone and they'll, you know, hold you accountable for those 10 minutes. And then like set, you know, another 10 minutes, but it just was that reminder, like it's just doing something else for a few more minutes might help just like change my attention. Um, also like, yeah, what was I going to say? If I, um, 
Mm, I'm trying to think. I was going to say like going on a meeting is also helpful. Even I, I love OA Footsteps. I know this isn't an OA Footsteps meeting, but like OA Footsteps has meetings like every hour and just like getting on a meeting for like the remainder of the time with my, with my thing off is so helpful to just hear people talk about it. And then I don't have to actually do outreach, you know, because sometimes that's also vulnerable, but just getting on a meeting. But yeah, that's, uh, there's also like do instead jar. Have you ever heard of that? I don't know. There's like an instead jar. So you can have a bunch of things that you can do instead. I don't have this, but I'm just thinking of things I've heard before you pull out like, okay, instead of eating, I can do, you know, going on a walk or doing this thing. So yeah, those are some ideas, but the best thing for me has been turning it over to someone in program. Um, I see Vincent hand up. Thank you, Stephanie, for, for your share. Um, what has the program done, if anything, for your self-confidence and for the way you conduct yourself? Thank you so much for asking that question. Um, also imperfect there. <laughs> I have self-doubt sometimes. Uh, actually, it's something that I was recently struggling with. I, I talked to someone about that yesterday. Um, I've been working on a book for two and a half years and I haven't shared with like social media and I actually made this plan to share it today. It's a full moon and I do feel connected to the moon. And Deb also asked me to do the share for this meeting. And the limiting beliefs are still there. Like, I don't matter. No one cares about me. Nothing matters that I do. And I asked someone about this yesterday and he was like, don't take yourself so seriously. And that was really helpful. And I just like reminded all the time, like, I'm just a servant to my higher power. I had a right before this meeting. I'm like, God, you know, like help me channel whatever other people need to hear. It's not about me. Um, because it's not. And I really do believe our higher power doesn't make junk. That's why I really like when people say like, they didn't just put us out here on this earth to just, you know, like suck and feel miserable all the time. Like it wants us to grow and be of service and help others. And if I'm just a vessel for that cause, then what does it matter what I think about myself? And so I think like just those reminders, like it's not about me has been the biggest help for my self-confidence. Um, I also want to say like two-way prayer has changed my program a hundred percent writing specifically to my higher power for my higher powers will for me today and hearing a response. And I try to do that every morning helps me so much. Remember, it's not about me. Like my higher power has a plan for me to carry out. So I hope that helps with your question. Deb. Thanks, Stephanie. That was amazing. Can you share about relationships and how much it's changed from that whole, like, I need to do this so men, you know, give me attention to what it's like now in recovery with relationships? Um, that's such a good question. So Deb knows about my life, to be honest. So um, I'm getting married in like three months and it's, it is also like a blessing of this program. And I do believe in the promises do come true. Um, for me, I was seeking male attention for so long and I ended up in an emotionally abusive relationship in China that my higher power helped me escape. And I moved back to the U S and there was a virus involved in all of this. And it's just all these things out of my control helped me come back and just like really realize that it's about loving myself 
And I don't have to seek that love from outside. Um, that was something that I was really compulsive about that I'm already whole and complete and enough. And I don't need someone to prove that. And I was praying to meet my true love during the pandemic. I didn't believe it would happen. A rabbi came in the picture and introduced me to my now going to be future fiance. And when I met him, I'm like, he's not healthy. I don't know. And my intuition was like, he's the one and he's been on his health journey. He has arthritis and I've been on my health journey. And sometimes I do blame him because I feel like, oh, he's the reason I gained weight but he supports me and loves me unconditionally. And it's so hard for me to have that in my life. Like he doesn't care if I gain 10 pounds. He doesn't even notice. It just doesn't cross his radar, but I know he loves me unconditionally. And I feel like that's been a huge part of my program is to find someone who like is like my higher power, like my higher power loves me unconditionally. And for me to receive that love, I have to love myself unconditionally. And my conditions are always about weight and how you know, fit I am. I'm going to have to pause for a second because it says my battery is going to run out and it takes like one minute for it to stop. So if you could wait one minute. We are plugged in now. (laughs) Thank you. It runs out so quickly when it gives me a warning, but, um, well, I've never had a meeting where they ask me questions. So I'm like, oh my God, it's so much. <laughs> Does anyone else have a question about program or anything? If you're a newcomer, I just like welcome you to just, yeah, say that you're here. I have a question. Yeah. Uh, Sarah, compulsive overeater bulimic. Um, how in like your first, um, your like at your beginning of your OA journey, how did you get through those first few days of abstinence? Um, I feel like I'm really good the first few days in any diet. <laughs> and then it's the later is the problem. Um, so I heard before that it has to do with three. So if you can get over three days, you feel good. And then 30 days after, like you get to 30 days and then it's, it's something about the threes someone brought up. And I, I definitely can see, like, I remember when I started, I learned three meals a day. And then I was like, this is easy. And then I got the diet plan of the no sugar, no flour and following it. And for me, I don't know, for me, it was a relief to be told how to eat. I think I've been looking for that my whole life, like someone to tell me how to eat. So for me, that was like a relief. It was like, really like, three or four months in, I was like, I don't want to be told how to eat. And that's really where I struggled. And when I got off of that food plan, I just didn't know how to eat. Um, I honestly feel that sugar and flour are not things that I want or crave because I got it out of my system. But I know some people like have a really hard time getting off of sugar and flour because it is such an addictive substance. And what I say now is that there's so many like alternatives, like fruit is an amazing alternative to sugar. It gives that same, for me, it gives me that same like sweet crave. It fills that sweetness, but it doesn't cause the mental obsession and compulsion. So like 
my thing is like finding alternatives. Like if I am craving like a dessert, like I can have an alternative dessert. There's a place called Pressed, which I'm pretty sure it's in California. And it's basically like it's a juice that they froze. And I'm like, this is like the best dessert ever. And it's just made out of like almond milk or something. It's very like healthy alternatives. So I just believe in finding healthy alternatives when there's cravings. Um, but that's just my, what's worked for me. Um, Violet. Hello, my name is Violet. I'm anorexic. Uh, thank you so much for your share, Stephanie. Um, I was just curious, um, how you like distinguish cravings and hunger. Thank you. Yeah, I think that's really important. Um, my nutritionist taught me like uh, using a Likert scale with my body hunger. And so she taught me like zero is like I'm starving and 10 is like I'm stuffed. And she taught me to try to find between three to seven. So don't don't try to go below the three, don't go above the seven. And I do feel conscious of like my body cues. So like my stomach physically makes growling noises. And I'm like, okay, that means I'm hungry. Um, I do know that there's emotional hunger and physical hunger and just being like able to identify like if, it, if my body's not telling me I'm hungry, I have to kind of like ask myself like what's really going on because I do eat out of boredom. That's like a huge like trigger for me. I don't like to feel bored. And what has helped me is to just like sit with that discomfort and just put on a timer. Like, I honestly think the timer is a great tool and just putting on like a five, 10 minute timer. Like, can I just like make any intention to meditate? And I notice like my anxiety about the boredom kind of come down and then I can just be like, okay, what what's something I can do instead of eat right now? Cause there's, there's, there's options. There's other things to do besides eat. And usually my higher power, my intuition will kind of guide me and it doesn't have to be like me being productive. And that's been a huge thing that I've also had to overcome in recovery is this like constant feeling like I'm supposed to be productive, to be worthy of love or to feel like I, my life matters. And it's like, no, like I can read a book. I can do something else. I don't have to be productive all the time. Um, so I hope that helps. But yeah, being able to understand like if there's emotions and not physical hunger and how to just like be present with it. So there's like a few more minutes if anyone else just wants to, yeah, claim their seat. I guess you were supposed to ask a question, but okay, Kathy. Hi, thanks so much for, I'm Kathy, I'm a compulsive overeater, and I really appreciated everything you said. I, I could relate to so much of it, and and I liked the practical tips that you gave, um, and they were very helpful, and I wrote some down. Um, I did have a question. You, I think you said that you would be willing to send a copy of the document. Um, how would I go about that? Should I put my name in the chat or um, take your email down or number down? Anyway, thank you. Yeah, I'm happy to put my email in the chat. Um, you can also send me a message with your email and, and I will get that to you. I've sent that to a few people and I do think like it helps if you're struggling with 10 step to just have like, you know, something you can write down that almost feels like a journal entry. 
um, has been really helpful for me. So yeah, you can just send me your email or also put my email in the chat. You know? And you can also change it on Word document to make it fit what works for you. You can change like what you need to add or subtract to it. Do you have um, uh, openings for sponsees? Um, I'm hesitant to say yes. I okay. originally had a rule for myself that I only sponsor sponsor three people and then it became four. And I don't want to over sponsor because I feel like qu quality over quantity. But I talk to my sponsors for like an hour at a time on the phone. And so I'm like, I call myself a friend sponsor because I just feel like, you know, hierarchy and authority is something I've struggled with in my life. So finding someone that feels like we can both help each other or, you know, learn from each other has been how I sponsor. Thanks. But you can reach out to me. I'm happy for outreach. Yes, Bob. Yeah, I'm sorry. Just one quick question. What can you explain your Word document? Okay. Um, so the word, you can change it around. I mean, I already changed things, but it has one area for like nourishing your body. So it has breakfast, lunch, optional snack, dinner it has like two things for movement. So I write like the time that I'm moving, what kind of activity there's a walking with God part, which you can change. If you don't believe in like the word God, you can change walking with higher power or whatever works for you, like tools. And it has prayer meditation, literature, writing, call sponsor, meetings, outreach. There's a to-do list, which I don't always fill out, but sometimes that's helpful. And so in the morning, I kind of write things down and at night I check them off and that feels like really satisfying to me. And then I put a spot checks part. Um, it used to say like what you do well. Uh, so for me, it's like no reality TV night routine. That's been a huge part of my program is like doing a morning thing to connect to my higher power. And also at night, because I was watching TV to go to sleep and that didn't feel good. So I really like doing yin yoga at night before going to bed. It calms my nervous system. It helps me connect to my higher power. I send a picture of my 10th step to my sponsor and she just like sends me emojis and I put it in my God box. And for me, that feels like the whole day is like a circle. Like there was like a beginning and an end. Um, and then there's an abstinence question connecting my higher power today. I'm grateful for, and then there's a getting in touch with my feelings part, which is the 10 step. And my sponsor kind of gave me this guideline for 10 step, but it's like, what are the character defects and principles that I've had for the day? So not just focusing on my defects. It's also like, how did I work with the program and use principles resentments amends and then the last one's been really helpful like what is my fears and what do I have faith so I'm always bringing in like okay yeah I'm nervous about this thing but I also have faith that it will work out 